from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in. So good to have you with us. Well, coming up on this Monday edition of Washington Watch, in anticipation of the U.S. Supreme Court handing down their previously leaked opinion in the Dobbs abortion case, left-wing protesters blocked intersections leading to the Supreme Court this morning. We're going to talk about that. And another attack on a pro-life pregnancy resource center, this time in Oregon. Why is the Biden administration silent? on the left-wing violence being directed at pro-life organizations and churches. We'll talk about it a little bit later with New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith. A bipartisan group of senators over the weekend apparently reaching an agreement in principle on a plan they say will address gun violence. Yesterday, a bipartisan group of Democrats and Republicans met again to continue working towards a bipartisan compromise. This morning, my colleague, Senator Murphy, reported that the group is making good progress and they hope to get something real done very soon. That was Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer earlier today on the Senate floor. Schumer also said that the proposed agreement was, quote, a good first step to ending the persistent inaction to the gun violence epidemic that has plagued our country, end quote. Well, I have a question. If this is just the first step, what is the next step Democrats will push for? Can Republicans really trust them in these negotiations? We'll talk with Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss in just a moment. And I've been saying this for for a few years. Fox News has been transitioning for some time from a conservative news outlet to just another one of the cable news networks. Evidence of that transition was front and center on Friday and in America's newsroom's pride production that celebrated a five-year-old girl acting like she was a boy and then wrapping it in the language of Christian faith. I'll be joined by Ali Stuckey, host of Relatable on Blaze TV. The Southern Baptist Convention, the nation's largest Protestant denomination, meeting this week in Anaheim, California. One of the big items before the messengers to the convention will be the recommendations dealing with sexual abuse within Southern Baptist churches. Now, many, and I include myself in this, are saying the independent organization presenting the recommendations, guidepost solutions, should not even be considered uh, because of their promotion of sexual perversion. I'll talk with uh, Pastor Tom Askell, senior pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida, who is at the convention in Anaheim. And former U.S. Treasury Secretary under Bill Clinton, Larry Summers, adding a bit of reality to the Biden administration's economic spin. I think the optimists were wrong a year ago mm. in saying we'd have no inflation. And I think they're wrong now in being, if anyone's highly confident that we're going to avoid recession. Summers made those statements on CNN's State of the Union yesterday. We'll talk with uh, Jerry Bowyer, who is president of Bowyer Research, about the state of the economy and how it might affect you. By the way, it's uh, primary election season, and voters in four states will be heading to the polls tomorrow. If you live in Maine, North Dakota, Nevada, or South Carolina, be sure to make plans to cast your ballot. If you're not certain how to vote, well, FRC Action is a part of the iVoterGuide Coalition, working to provide voters with important information on where the candidates stand on the critical issues. To uh, make uh, or to access this uh, voter guide, you can actually download it. 
you go to frcaction.org and click on Voter Resources, and it'll take you to the Voter Guide, and you can download the Voter Guide. Again, that's frcaction.org, and click on Voter Resources. That is, if you live in four of the states tomorrow that will be uh, having primary elections, Maine, North Dakota, Nevada, and South Carolina. The word for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is found in 2 Samuel chapter 18, it's verses 5 and 6. Now the king had commanded Joab, Abishiah, and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave the captain these orders concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel, and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. Now, what David was faced with here was a civil war. The nation was divided. Why? Because there were those, like his son Absalom, driven by a lust for power, and they embraced lawlessness as the path to that power. And so when there are those who embrace lawlessness, driven by pride, seeking power, you can expect division. To join us in the Bible reading plan, go to frc.org slash Bible. You can also join me each morning, Monday through Friday at 8.44 a.m. Eastern Time for a short devotional from the daily reading. You can join me at TonyPerkins.com or on Facebook. And be sure to visit TonyPerkins.com and also our new online news site, Washington Stand. That's WashingtonStand.com. In anticipation of a possible decision today on the Dobbs case that could overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling, left-wing protesters blocked intersections leading to the Supreme Court with the intention to hashtag shut down SCOTUS. And with the nation still awaiting decision, we're certain to see a repeat of today and perhaps even worse when the decision is finally handed down. With me now to talk about the wait for the Dobbs ruling and more is U.S. Congressman Jody Heiss. He's a member of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform and on the House Committee on Natural Resources. He represents the 10th Congressional District of Georgia. Congressman Heiss, welcome back to the program. Always great to be with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Jody, I'm just going to get your thoughts as we see we've seen this now for several weeks where we uh, are seeing these left wing protesters that are attacking uh, pro-life resource centers, disrupting church services, uh, now blocking the streets to the Supreme Court. I mean, how far will they go? Uh, You know, they will go as far as they possibly can to advance their agenda, Tony. I mean, this is all to them about uh, trying to uh, intimidate our Supreme Court justices, intimidate state legislatures if this thing goes the way uh, everyone uh, seems to think that it's going to go. Uh, It's all about pushing their agenda forward. And Tony, quite frankly, they will go as far as they can to accomplish that end. And frankly, they don't care if lives are going to be threatened or Uh, potentially put in harm's way in the process. This is all about intimidation, instilling fear uh, in hopes of advancing their uh, continued efforts of destroying the lives of innocent children. So, Congressman Heiss, how should we in the pro-life community, and in particular in the church, be responding in this moment when we see this effort, as you said, to intimidate, and I agree with you. Uh, They're trying to intimidate the court. They're trying to intimidate pro-lifers. They're trying to intimidate churches. How should we respond? Well, we can't respond in fear. Uh, Listen, we we are 
uh, individuals who believe in a God that is much bigger than they are, uh, that is much bigger than any problem that we face individually or corporately as a nation. And we cannot respond by fear. Uh, that is paralyzing in itself. So look, we, this is the hour for the church to have her finest hour, if I can put it this way. This is the time for us to pray like we've never prayed before, to be visible like we've never been visible to, before, uh, to show up, to stand for life, to stand for righteousness like never before, and allow the intimidating remarks and threats to roll off our backs. We cannot be silent at this time. We must be present in a uh, in in force and in mass like we've never done before, uh, but to do so in a right way. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think that's across the board. I think it's. Uh... They think they can intimidate us. I think we need to draw the line at this point and say, look, you're not going to intimidate us into silence or going away. We're here and we're here to stay, to defend the unborn and to stand for moral absolutes and uh, and truth. I I want to switch gears for just a moment. Another topic, uh, the House took this up. Uh, It passed with uh, basically Democratic support. That is, uh, they had a package of gun control bills. The Senate coming up with its own. We we have not seen text, at least uh, as of uh, me going into the studio, I had not seen text of what they're actually proposing. What do you make of this bipartisan framework that we're hearing in the Senate uh, dealing with gun violence that includes red flag laws, uh, deeper background checks? Uh, What do you make of it? Yeah, I'm very nervous nervous about it, Tony. Look, I don't even like using the terminology gun violence. Guns are not violent. I have had and I currently have lots of guns. None of them have ever exhibited any degree of violence. And the reason is because I'm not violent. What we have in this country is a people violence problem who individuals who utilize guns or knives or whatever means uh, they have available to exhibit violence within them. And that in itself is a demonstration of a spiritual problem that we have in this country that must be addressed. And as we have not seen text to this framework that you're mentioning, I would absolutely be confident that there is no mention of, of dealing with uh, religious beliefs or bringing God back into the equation. It's all going to be about guns, that guns are horrible, that we need to restrict uh, the Second Amendment rights of uh, Americans, particularly law-abiding American citizens. Uh, these red flag laws scare me to death. They are uh, an indication of guilt before any proof of guilt. Uh, and look, I, I think this is totally going down the wrong path. Uh, like you, I've not seen the text, so we'll reserve a greater judgment until we see the text itself. But these type of bills make me extremely nervous. I don't like the way uh, this thing is shaping up just the mere framework itself as it's currently going. It's ignoring the spiritual problem that we have in this country. And I, I think that's uh, that ultimately, at the end of the day, is what the issue of gun violence is all about. Well said. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, it's a great way to state it. Uh, it's, it's not the violence coming from the guns. It's the, gun, it's the violence coming from the people who will use whatever instrument. Uh, they can get their hands on if they have violence in their hearts. And that's what we, we've said repeatedly. It's not what's in the hand, it's what's in the heart. But w- the Republicans putting a lot in the Senate, putting a lot of emphasis on 
two things in particular, mental health services and hardening the targets, making schools, uh, you know, a, a harder target. You know, I, I, you know, I'm all for mental health services, but I think even there we're not going deeper to the underlying issues surrounding this rise in mental health crisis that we're seeing in America. And I think a lot of it is spiritual. And when you're excluding God from the equation, religious counselors most likely, uh, it's, it's just we're not going to solve the problem. We're dealing with symptoms. No, I mean, it's a typical way that Washington deals with problems. It's let's throw more money at it. Let's come up with a good title and then throw tons of money at it. And hopefully everyone will think that we're uh, trying to address problems in this country. And look, you can't, uh, it's not going to be successful again. You can't address a spiritual problem, a mental problem by throwing more money at it. Uh, this is something that, uh, again, as I referenced a while ago, this is a time for the church to have her finest hour. It's time for people to get involved in people's lives. Uh, this is not uh, an issue that the government can uh, just legislate or throw more money at it, and it's going to go away. And uh, so I'm, I'm concerned with the direction this is going. I'll just leave it at that. Well, Congressman Jody Heiss, I hope that some of your colleagues in the Senate will take the same approach you and a few other members of the House have have taken in addressing the bigger issues, the underlying issues. In fact, if the Democrats want to have a discussion about really solving this problem, let's talk about inviting God back into our schools, having prayer back in America's classrooms. I think it's time to have that debate myself. I'm ready to have it. And I know you are, and I hope we'll have some in the Senate that uh, will join us as well. Jody, we're up against a break. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Tony. All right, coming up, Fox News on Friday gave its uh, shrinking audience another reason to switch channels. We're going to talk about it next with Ali Stuckey. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. Uh, the website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there and also contact information for our guests and resources that they might mention. So please check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Also, as I mentioned at the top of the program, in uh, response to what many of you have asked for, a new online news service, which is the Washington Stand. WashingtonStand.com. It is news and commentary from a biblical perspective, so uh, check it out. On Friday, Fox News highlighted the story of a biological girl whose family encouraged her to transition to a boy starting from the age of five. In fact, the mother's saying that before the, the girl could even talk, she was communicating that she wanted to be a boy. Well, and, uh, and Fox praised the family's extraordinary courage. Now, I've been warning you of Fox's own transition from a conservative news organization to just another cable news network. Now, the question is, is their transition complete, or can we expect more f- of the left's propaganda from Fox, who now has Caitlyn Jenner as a paid Fox contributor? Now, here's a clip from this uh, program on Friday related to uh, this transgendering young girl. We thought that gender and sexuality were the same thing. It took us a while to figure out that those two things are different and that children actually do recognize their gender identity very young. Well, joining me now to talk about this is Ali Beth Stuckey, host of Relatable on Blaze TV and author of You're Not Enough and That's Okay, Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love. Ali, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for having me. Now, of course, in this, the uh, the mother there rolling this into her, her faith, saying that, uh, you know, God made us and and we're just being who we are. Well, it looks like they need a little assistance if uh, if that's the case here, like hormone uh, suppression. We need uh, surgical. Uh, and this is a real stretch, but Fox gave them a complete flat platform, never questioned it a bit. What do you think? Yes, they fully pushed the propaganda. The most egregious portion of the propaganda, I think, was when the, um, the reporter, whose name is Brian Yanis, he 
said on Twitter, you know, that he was proud of this segment. And one thing that he repeated that the mom apparently said was that she would rather have a living son than a dead daughter. And obviously the inference there is that if she did not accept her child's so-called gender identity, then her child would have committed suicide. This is total and complete propaganda. There is no statistic. There is no data backing this up. In fact, we know that transitioning so-called a child, a teenager, an adolescent, not only doesn't actually alleviate their feelings of distress or their mental anxiety that they are dealing with, but many times it exacerbates it. It actually leads to the very suicide that pro-trans advocates say that they are trying to prevent. And for Fox News to completely uncritically regurgitate this kind of propaganda when we have seen the damage that it is doing to young lives. I, I knew as you did that they were liberal socially and certainly going in that direction. This was beyond what I imagined they would go at this point. Well, you make a really good point, Allie, that they were just kind of regurgitating the left's talking points on this, because if you actually look at the studies, the statistics, you, you have in a neighborhood of uh, 80 percent plus between 80 and 90 percent of young people who have these uh, have gender dysphoria. If you leave them alone and just encourage them in the nat natural process, they they end up everything's in alignment. They, uh, they, they come through this fine. But here's part of the problem, is that you, you have this social media contagion that is uh, planting these seeds in the minds of kids, and then you're blocking them from getting any type of counseling, and then you hear this type of garbage here on Fox News, which so many people have come to rely upon as a source of conservative, if you will, news. Yes. And look, Fox News has an important place or it has had an important place in conservative media, even if they haven't aligned with everything that you and I think socially, at least I think a lot of conservatives think they are not just, you know, repeating the propaganda that you're seeing on MSNBC or CNN. But if this is the direction that they are going to go, which is literally the most radical form of wickedness, gender ideology that is being imposed on small children, as you mentioned, the mom said before this child could talk. So we're talking about a baby? What? We're talking about before this child, she was a one-year-old and Fox News is pushing this? then really conservatives feel like, at least in the mainstream legacy media, they truly have nowhere to go. We thought at least they would not go this far, but they have just slid all the way down the slippery slope. They're now at the bottom. I don't see how they come back from this. Well, I mean, Allie, their, their defense may be that they're identifying as a conservative news outlet. Right. So they're identifying as it. And I guess we can just change the meanings of words as they see fit. That's probably probably right. That will probably be their defense. But in seriousness, um, this is a danger for for children and parents are actually looking for sources of information. And they checked several of the boxes. They threw out statistics or, you know, these studies which were, were not true. They they talked about faith. Um, this was, a, you know, for conservatives, Fox has been a safe place. I mean, this is extremely dangerous. You know, I think, well, I, I know that they chose this particular family for the reasons that you just listed, because 
uh, a lot of conservatives are used to kind of seeing the blue-haired liberals that maybe they see on libs of TikTok saying crazy things about indoctrinating preschoolers. I think Fox News was very specific, very strategic, and the family that they chose, they look like a very normal working-class family that probably looks like a lot of families that watch Fox News. And the fact that she invoked her faith, that she's a Christian, and so that's why somehow she believes that she's transition her child. I think that they were trying to relate to people. They were trying to change people's minds. They were trying to get yeah. conservative viewers to think, well, maybe this isn't so crazy. That is really nefarious. And, and, and Allie, it would be one thing if there was a, a follow-up debate and discussion on this, but we don't even right. debate these things. No, no one, they're like MSNBC and CNN. They won't debate this. Now Fox is in the same category. They won't allow any of this ideology to be questioned. Uh, Allie, up against a break. Always great to have you on. Thanks so much for the work you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, coming up, folks, folks thousands of uh, Southern Baptists from across the nation are uh, gathering this week in Anaheim, California for their annual meeting. What's going on? What do we need to be watching? That's coming up next. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. And the website is TonyPerkins.com and that news site, especially after that last segment uh, talking about Fox and how they are uh, moving to the same neighborhood as MSNBC. We need reliable information, news and information from a biblical perspective. Well, you can find that at Washington Stand, WashingtonStand.com. Check it out. It's uh, now in its third week as of today. 
Thousands of Southern Baptists from across the nation are gathering this week in Anaheim, California for their denomination's annual meeting. The uh, Southern Baptists, the largest Protestant denomination in the country. A big focus will be on how they address the recent report on sex abuse within the within the church. Now, uh, keep in mind, for those of you who are not Baptists, that Southern Baptist churches are all independent, uh, so they voluntarily work together. There's not a hierarchy. So these recommendations, number one, are somewhat problematic from that standpoint because it's the structure of the Southern Baptist conventions uh, different than other mainline denominations. But there's a bigger problem. The report comes from an independent organization called Guidepost Solutions. Well, last week, uh, Guidepost publicly embraced homosexuality and transgenderism when they went all out in celebrating Pride Month. So here's a question. Should Southern Baptists who believe the Bible and are one of the denominations that continue to defend the Bible as the Word of God take directions from that kind of organization? Um, I don't think so. I think they're totally, totally disqualified to speak into the Southern Baptist Convention about sexual matters. Well, what might we expect to see in response to that this week? Joining me now to talk about this, Pastor Tom Askell. He's the president uh, of Founders Ministry and senior pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida, and he's there in Anaheim. Tom, welcome to Washington Watch. Well, Tony, thank you so very much for having me on today. And, and Tom, I know that you are uh, in in uh, consideration for the presidency there of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is uh, it's been a, a tumultuous time for the Southern Baptists. But I think this uh, report and these recommendations from Guidepost only adds to the consternation of conservatives there. What can we expect tomorrow when they take this up? Well, I think that we will have a very spirited debate on the floor of the convention. I hope that we're allowed to debate it as much as we should. Uh, there are already always parliamentary procedures that the other side likes to invoke to try to call the question and cut off debate. But these are serious matters, and we're being asked to make decisions that will have impact for a generation or more to come. And so we shouldn't make them precipitously. We need time to reflect on them. And as you pointed out, Guidepost Solutions, who the task force that was appointed by President Ed Litton last year, the, the task force hired them or they, they used them to do this research. Guidepost has come out saying we are allies. We proudly support LGBTQ uh, agendas in this nation. We're, we're very committed to that. Well, they're investigating sex abuse. They're investigating sexual misconduct. And if you've got people as an organization that disagree on what sexual morality is, when the Bible is very clear about it, you don't want them giving you counsel about sexual misconduct and what to do about it. They are not coming from the biblical worldview. So I share your statement completely. You see, Tom, I think uh, that's how the Southern Baptists, and again, the independent churches, it's not one, con it's Correct. not just one entity, it's the individual churches. I think the reason we've seen this as a problem is a deviation from biblical truth and uh, and biblical discipline that should be exercised in the local churches. So this would only make the situation worse by taking guide guidance from an entity that is really more reflecting the culture than the church when it comes to putting in place these guidelines. Absolutely. I agree completely. And the Southern Baptist Convention, as you said, we have 47,000 churches 
and we say that we are people of the book. Well, the, the book is pretty clear. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he has delegated his authority to the church to carry out his mission for the kingdom of God in the world, and he's given to the church the keys of the kingdom to carry out that mission. But he's also delegated authority to the state. As Romans chapter 13 says, he's ordained civil authorities to execute God's justice, his vengeance against injustice in the world. And he's given the state the sword for that purpose. The church is to adjudicate sin and the state is to adjudicate crimes. And I think what we're beginning to see is because the church has failed in not dealing with sin mm -hmm. in our ranks, churches that now then we're trying to take the role of the state and mete out vengeance in ways that God has ordained for the state to do. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's really good. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, 30 seconds left, Tom. We're up against a break, but w what do you hope comes out of this week's meeting there in Anaheim? Well, I want justice to be done. I want care to be given to those who have been abused. Where there's been cover-up, I want the truth to be known. I, I'm not afraid of the truth. God's the God of truth. But I want us to be wise and make decisions according to the Scripture that honor Christ and not cave in to cultural pressures from those who tell us, this is what you must do if you're going to be loving, if you're going to be just. We have a book, and that book tells us what love and justice looks like. All right, uh, Tom Aswell, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us, and we'll be uh, tracking very closely what happens there in Anaheim this week. Thank you, Tony. All right. Well, we will, and I do hope the messengers there from the various churches reject these guidelines and put uh, biblically-based parameters in place. Uh, there's no doubt a, a problem, but it, it's culture-wide, and the church should be leading. We should not be following the lead of the culture, we should be leading the culture when it comes to holiness and moral purity. There's just no question about it. All right, coming up next, uh, the president, uh, and he just can't get it right on the economic numbers, saying, first off, that this inflation isn't real, it's not going to last. Um, but I'm telling you what, new record on Friday, new record, 40 years. Uh, we're going to talk about this next. We're going to talk about what the economic outlook for America looks like under the policies of this administration. Don't go away. Coming back with more. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. 
Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, I got to play this clip. Uh, This is what I would call a reality check. This is Senator Chris Coons of Delaware. He's on uh, Fox News Sunday. This is yesterday. He's responding to Brett Baer's question about whether Biden should run in 2024. Here's what he said. The deficit's coming down. He's got clear plans for how to tackle inflation, and he's helping lead the United States to a position of strength on the world stage. I can understand why he might think running for re-election uh, is a good idea. Uh, yeah, okay. Amazing. Amazing. Well, on Friday night, the president was putting his own spin on things. He was speaking in Beverly Hills at a private reception for uh, the Democratic National Committee. And he acknowledged that, well, we're going to have to live with this inflation for a a while. Uh, He also said there's much at stake this midterm election, including the economy. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, these remarks were made after the Bureau of Labor Statistics May Consumer Price Index came out earlier on Friday that showed a year-over-year increase of 8.6% last month. That's the biggest since 1981, since I graduated from high school, and not likely to peak anytime soon, even according to Democrat-aligned economic experts. So what could be ahead for America in the months and years to come. Joining me now to talk about this is financial economist Jerry Boyer. He is the president of Boyer Research, a world opinions contributor and author of The Maker Versus the Takers, What Jesus Really Said About Social Justice and Economics. Jerry, welcome back to the uh, program. Thank you, Tony. Great to be back. All right. So so give us your take on these uh, 8.6 year over year cost uh, going up, inflation, have we seen the worst of it yet? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know. It, 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 um, there's month over month inflation, and some, you know sometimes that's been slowing down, and then there's year over year. So that 
8.6% is year over year. And people ask me a lot, is, you know, is it going to go up or is it going to go down? Um, to me, the main question is, is it going to go down to anything like normal? In other words, let's say a year from now, year over year inflation is 8.5. That's horrible. <laughs> Even if that means inflation rates went down a little bit, that's still horrible. So right. it's, not the, it's not these spikes that make headlines that concerns me. What concerns me is a long period of economic stagnation, um, which is also accompanied by inflation. You said you gradu graduated from high school um, in 1981. So when you were in high school and uh, in middle school and junior high in the 70s, we had something called stagflation. Um, right. And infl inflation was elevated for a long period of time and growth was low for a long period of time. That's what's really destructive. So if let's say that we have 8.6% inflation and then it goes away. Oh, okay, we can live with that. But what is socially disruptive, what grinds away at the middle class and at capital and its savings is when inflation just doesn't go away. Um, and I think that's the kind of situation we're in now. Now, will it always be 8.6? No, maybe sometimes it'll be 7% year over year. But the historic average is something like 3%. So we're right. we're high, we're very high, and if it's persistent, which I think it will be, it's going to do a lot of damage. And and the Fed, their goal is to get it down to around two percent. I mean, that's their ideal. Uh, and so the Fed chairman really has uh, he's in a predicament. Either he he tackles this inflation and possibly triggers a recession. I mean, is he going to be able to find a way out of this? I don't think so, uh, because the, the way out of it is knowable, but difficult, because it takes courage. So I don't think we have a technical or a knowledge gap. Um, everybody who's paying attention, everyone who wants to know how to beat inflation knows how to beat inflation. Paul Volcker and Ronald Reagan showed us the way you beat right. inflation is you contract the money supply, um, and the way you beat stagnation is you cut taxes and you grow the economy. But that's what the, the issue isn't knowing. The issue is that it's hard. It's very difficult. When you cut the money supply, that slows the economy down. Unemployment can go up. You have recessions. We don't seem to be willing to have a recession. And when a nation is unwilling to face a short-term recession, what that means is we keep pumping the money supply up. We're, we don't want to have that. In, we don't want to have a recession, so more money. Then we don't want to have another recession, so more money. And eventually, we get to a situation where we're so addicted to easy money that there's no easy way out. Now, Reagan and Volcker had knowledge, but they had moral courage as well. And Volcker contracted the money supply, and Reagan never said. It's amazing. Reagan never said, oh, Volcker went too far. He never said uh, he backed him rhetorically. He said, yeah, well, we need to right. beat inflation. We need to wring inflation out of the system. Now, when you look at Powell and Biden, do you see Volcker Reagan? I don't. Yeah. So let's talk practically for a moment, Jerry, because I, I in fact, I was just talking to a group this weekend. My greatest concern on the national stage is a lack of courage. I mean, th there's the courage to do the right thing is just, it's just absent. What should the average Americans, because if they continue this and continue the money supply, you know, expanding the money supply, inflation stays up, they're robbing the working people. They're robbing us uh, yes. because they're eating away and our real wages are declining. The money we've saved is depreciates declining. So what should we be doing right now? Given, let's just say the government doesn't do anything. What should we be doing? 
uh, well, we can't, you know, we can't fix it on our own. We're at their mercy. So we have to adapt to the world that they give us, which means you have to be looking for bargains. You have to be substituting. Oh, ground beef is too expensive. You go with ground turkey uh, or you go with ground chicken. So you have to become more frugal. I mean, when somebody is stealing from you, then you have to cut your spending. And I'm glad you said robbing because this is very important. And I think one of the reasons why we're lost as a nation on this is because the church sees some issues as moral issues, right? So sexual issues are moral issues, which they certainly are. Um, Cultural issues, moral issues. Don't watch pornography is a moral issue. And somehow we think of something like inflation as not moral, not the church's business, not our concern. But the church is a prophet to the nations, teaching all of God's counsel. And if somebody in your church or in your family is shoplifting, you wouldn't say, oh, you need more knowledge. You'd say, hold on a second. That's just plain wrong. Well, the difference between inflation and shoplifting is that inflation is much, 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 much bigger. But morally, it's the same thing. And until I think the church kind of owns up to this as a violation of the Eighth and Tenth Commandment and speaks out the government and, and we say abortion's wrong, um, uh, pornography is wrong, you know what else is wrong? Debasing the currency. That is also a cultural right. and moral debasement. Until the church teaches that moral lesson, we're going to think of inflation as essentially a technical problem, a math issue, when it really is a moral issue. Right, right. And, and, um, and, and we need to address those issues and the policies that uh, bring that on. But I, I do think that we're coming into a period of time, and I, I do remember back in the 70s and 80s when there were gas lines. And, uh, and, and as a family, you know, we, we had fried, fried Spam sandwiches. You know, we were, we had to, and we were working, uh, the whole family working together to make ends meet. I do think you know, after a time of great affluence in, um, you know, we've had a lot of uh, extra money uh, as families, even the, the average family, that we're going to have to tighten the belt. It's going to be time to uh, to focus on, as you said, bargains, but then also holding elected officials accountable and seeking those out who understand, as you were saying from a b- biblical perspective, that this is a moral issue. Absolutely. Unjust weights and measures are an abomination. What part of that don't we understand? This is unjust weights and measures, and it's something not just the Old Testament talks about. Jesus talks about it a lot. Jesus talks a lot about money in the Gospels, and we kind of skim over that. But he, if he loves us and he cares about us, if God cares about us, does he want people ripped off through inflation? Does he want the poor ground into the dust? Of course not. Well, the answer is for our rulers. I mean, the problem is our rulers are addicted to the money. Their money creation right. is where their paycheck comes from. Um, we get the money last, they get the money first, so they get most of the benefit from it. And by the way, it's not just the political rulers, it's the financial rulers, because the big Wall Street banks are the one, they run the plumbing system for monetary creation. So it's advantageous to them as well. Yeah, uh, this is a great discussion. In fact, I want to I want to continue it another time. Jerry, look at this from a totally biblical perspective, because it is a problem that is we're going to be facing, especially going into the midterm election. It gives us an opportunity to address at least a part of the policy side of it. Uh, Jerry Boyer, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today on Washington Watch. My pleasure, Tony. And we will. We'll talk more about that because I do think it's important to understand, as Jerry was saying, that this is a moral and a spiritual issue. It's not just a policy issue. All right. Going into last uh, weekend and going into the weekend, the Washington Stand reported finding over seven, over 40 
separate incidents of violent attacks against churches, prayer and pregnancy care centers, and other pro-life facilities across the country since May the 2nd, when the Supreme Court opinion was leaked. Now, these attacks include arson, vandalism, property theft, and property destruction. Well, and then there was another attack in uh, Portland or in uh, Gresham, Oregon, adding to the growing number of attacks this past weekend. Is anything being done? And can anything be done? Well, joining me now to talk about this is Congressman Chris Smith. He is a member of the, uh, he is actually the chairman of the Pro-Life Caucus and a senior member of the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. He represents New Jersey's 4th Congressional District. He joins us by phone. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Tony, thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, This situation we're seeing right now, where we're seeing this attack uh, on care pregnancy centers, we're seeing churches disrupted, the Homeland Security issuing an alert a week before last, basically saying, yeah, there's a heightened level of awareness because pro-life and uh, groups supporting abortion might take action. Well, they're not doing anything to rein in the left uh, wing violence that's taking place all across this country, uh, unless I'm missing it. Are they doing something? Uh, no, and that is greatly disturbing. The attorney general uh, should be out in front, as should the president of the United States. Yes, we got the abortion president, Joe Biden, uh, at the helm of this country, but he should be saying absolutely no violence against pregnancy care centers, churches, uh, and individuals. And we've seen a huge increase of such violence, of which I have never seen. And we are, we think, on the verge of a reversal of Roe versus Wade. And frankly, I've been in the movement for 50 years, and I've always believed when we got to the point where that so-called constitutional amendment was about to be eviscerated, uh, that you would see the violence for children uh, directed at the pro-life movement, uh, including pregnancy care centers, churches, uh, and individuals. So I think this is the beginning, not the end. So the administration needs to step up. Uh, I'm working on piece, a piece of legislation, Tony, that would that would not mirror but be not all that different from the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, which uh, says that abortion clinics, um, you know, if there's force or threat of force, um, they are, you know, people are, are held to accountable with enhanced sentencing uh, and fines. We need to do that for the pro-life movement and for churches uh, during this crisis. You know, it's a really good point, uh, Chris. That goes back to the early 1990s, I think 1994, yes, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that that was put into law because there were some blockades of clinics, um, right. actually a lot less violence than what we're seeing today. But Congress acted and passed the Freedom of Entrance to Clinics Act. And so so why why are we not seeing movement by the federal government here? Why, why not uh, the president speaking out about this? Well, administratively, the president, the attorney general, uh, Department of Homeland Security, which has warned, but somehow they warned and somehow the pro-lifers uh, are at fault as well. And that's not true. I mean, I've been in the movement 50 years. It has committed this movement to nonviolence, including nonviolence against unborn children and their mothers by way of abortion. And, and you're right. It, it's a total abrogation of their duty to protect people and property. When you see these wonderful pregnancy care centers getting firebombed and attacked and vandalized, as well as churches and as well as um, pro-life organizations and their headquarters, uh, this is a a kind of war on the advocates for life. 
And, you know, we are a nation of rules and laws, uh, and the laws, even without enhancing it with my bill, um, it's already against the law. Where, where is the president? Right. He's AWOL right, right now, and that has to change. That has to yeah, change. And, and again, comparing the two, what we were talking about in the 1990s was the blocking of entrance to these clinics. Here we're talking yes. about vandalism. We're talking about violent attacks. We're talking about firebombing. We're talking about vandalism. Completely, I mean, ratcheted up, but yet there's crickets coming from the yeah, Democratic crickets, majority exactly. in Congress. Yeah. Uh, anything our folks word? can yeah. anything well, our they, folks they can, can do to know, be helpful? Contact the White House, say speak out, you know, be for nonviolence, stop this attack or these threats that are being made against the members of the Supreme Court, including Kavanaugh. Yeah. I mean, what is this? When, when Schumer made that infamous statement over the Supreme Court uh, against Brett Kavanaugh and others, uh, he needs to be held to account. I mean, that sounds like incitement to me. Uh, right. if you go back and watch that clip. It was, it was awful. And so he needs right. to be out in front as well saying nonviolence. Disagree right. and Just... argue it out through debate, not through firebombing. Yeah. Uh, Chris Smith, always great to talk with you. Thank you so much for the years of uh, work that you've done on behalf of the unborn. And, Tony, thank you. You know, FRC has experiences, too. And you guys, you know, very bravely fought back. And you even prayed for the guy that's now in prison for 25 years. So what what an example you set. Well, we're not going away. No white flag's going to be waving outside of our building, no matter what. Uh, Folks, uh, good advice. Contact the White House. They have an information line. We'll try to get it up on the website as well. Uh, Until next time, let me leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.